be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you or someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio with host Dr. Bill Freya. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is Dr. Bill Freya. Hi, and welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I'm the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies, as well as a board-certified behavior analyst. I hope some of you guys recognize me from previous week's shows, as well as my video blogs that I've been putting up for the last few months, trying to give more information on the new insurance mandates, uh, IEP process, adult services, and just a variety of comments and questions that you guys have been posting on Facebook. Uh, for those who don't know too much about Autism Spectrum Therapies, we're a national agency providing primarily applied behavior analysis services to individuals with autism and with special needs, but we're also providing a lot of other services as well as social skills, OT, speech, and summer camps when we can have that beautiful summer weather and get our kids outdoors and having some fun. Um, today's show, we're going to be focusing in on uh, a specific part of, of the spectrum. And, and the reason why I say specific part is that you know, most weeks we, we talk about autism and we talk about the entire spectrum and we get general. And this week's show, we're actually going to be talking a little bit more about Asperger's. And I'm, I'm really excited for this topic because uh, over the last 10 years, I've had the, the pleasure of working with a lot of different individuals, particularly teenagers um, with Asperger's. And I've really learned so much from them and, and hearing their perspective of, of what their life is like and, and how they learn and, and kind of what a day is like. And a lot of them have really made me realize that we really need to look at them and the best ways to, for them to learn and for them to be taught really individually. And one of the things that I'm very excited to talk to my guest today about, um, and I know she has some, some great opinions about, is the idea of labels and the idea of understanding that Asperger's is, is the diagnosis, but it doesn't define who they are. And it's a better way of understanding how they see the world, how they learn, how they process information, but it doesn't define who this person is. And that's something that these clients of mine, these, you know, in, in ways friends of mine have been able to educate me and I think make me better at working with all of my clients, as well as interacting with families. So with all that said, I want to want to introduce my guest. And uh, my guest this week is Jennifer Cook O'Toole. Uh, Jennifer graduated with honors from Brown University and has since studied 
at the Graduate School of Social Work at Columbia University and Graduate School of Education at Queens University. Um, subsequent, some initiatives that she's worked on with young people have garnered her an invitation to serve as the North Carolina's Governor's Commission on Domestic Violence and a nomination for Disney's American Teacher of the Year Award in her first year of teaching. Um, but one of the things I'm excited about is that uh, Jennifer herself is diagnosed with Asperger's disorder. Um, she was diagnosed in adulthood and is the mother of three Asper kids and the wife of an Aspie. Uh, as an award-winning special educator and two-time author of brand new books, For and About Asper Kids. Uh, her books are Asper Kids and Insider's Guide to Loving, Understanding, and Teaching Children with Asperger's. And she also has an upcoming book called The Asper Kids, Secret Book of, Ru of Social Rules, a handbook of not-so-obvious guidelines for teens and tweens, um, both of which were published by Jessica Kingsley Publishers. Um, Finally, Jennifer is also the a winner of the winner of the 2012 Temple Grandin Award and a recipient of GRASP's 2012 Distinguished Spectrumite Medal, as well as a nominee of the 2012 Autism Society Book Award and Godiva's Woman of the Year. Uh, so, Jennifer, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I just keep hoping the Godiva thing might come with chocolate. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So medals are, are, you know, so humbling, but chocolate might be kind of fantastic. So. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate sounds a lot better to me. It feels like the entire family can really enjoy the chocolate. There you go. There the metal just kind of sits there. Even better. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I got to say, I, I read Asper Kids, and I, I really liked the, the book. It, it was so easy to read. It was so easy to digest. It was actually one of the fastest reads uh -huh. I've had in quite a while. I just found myself just flying through it um, and really loving the content. And you kind of hooked me right away because I loved in the first few pages the way you were talking about uh, being a redhead. Yeah. And so much of what you said, I felt like I was listening to my wife telling me all about ginger is not who I am and we're going to re redefine the term ginger and what it means. And, and I've heard where it comes from, where what the label it started in Europe and the whole thing with the English and the Scottish. I mean, I've heard yeah, it all. That's right. And it, it put your whole book into like a great perspective for me because I, I felt that personal connection to it because of that story right away. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I really wanted you to to talk about that idea, the idea of the label of Aspergers and particularly the label or or the the word you were using, Aspie, because I I think sometimes people may have not heard that word before, or um, or maybe they have a different thought of it. But I really loved the way you were trying to define it. And, absolutely. Uh, make, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that, that, first of all, you must obviously have wonderful taste in, yeah. <laughs> in women. So, yay. Um, right. Well, the, so the book sort of starts off, and, and I you know, should put it out there that, yes, this is a very conversationally written book. Um, that was not done any more intentionally than that just happens to be the way I write. And so it's a good thing that it seems to have clicked with folks. Um, but I think the reason is because this is sort of a field that tends to either be very laden down with psychological terminology or pedagogical terminology or insurance terminology <laughs> that is not only off-putting, it's daunting, and sometimes almost feels condescending. Um, and that didn't need to happen, you know. So, so this book was written um, 
absolutely that it is intended certainly uh, for the use of professionals, be they, you know, OTs or psychologists or psychiatrists or teachers. Um, in fact, those were the folks who encouraged me to write it. But it was also really written from the perspective um, of being a mom who was going through this as well. Um, and I wanted it to feel like you're sitting down and having a cup of coffee and going, oh, my goodness, here's what happened yesterday. Um, and so I'm really glad when I hear that that's the reaction, you know, that, you, that it was a fast read. I take that as a, an immense compliment because um, it should be digestible or else it's really not going to do anything other than sit on your shelf. Um, and the part that you're talking about of that intro with the redhead thing, um, for those who haven't had a chance, so, so one of the words that stuck with me from high school, you know, bio to AP days way, way back in the day, um, was the word phenotype, which is just it means the expression of your, you know, your particular DNA sequence. And I happen to have red hair. I have since the moment I was born. It was my mother's first reaction when she saw me. It's just part of who I am. Now, is it something folks notice? Absolutely. It's probably something they remember about me. But if you didn't mention that, nobody hearing my voice would know that, of course. Well, the way I understand Asperger's, which is really um, – you know, a phenotypical, an expression of my neurological hardwiring. So it might not be the protein alleles in my hair, you know, and the pigmentation, but it's just another part of who I am that I could control no more and no less than my hair. And if I wanted to dye my hair and make it look a little different, I'd have to constantly keep at it to fake it. And that's sort of what Asperger's is like, too, because who we are and how we are, for all of us, no matter what our talents may be, that's just how, how we're born. And certainly we can strengthen and gain support and insight into those areas which challenge us, and we can hopefully develop the natural talents that just kind of come with our package, and, and that's wonderful. But there is some level of nature, pre-nurture, that is just who we're meant to be. Um, and that's what I really want folks to understand the word Asperger's syndrome mean. It gets really tricky. Um, I've heard Asperger's referred to as the, the translators between the neurotypical world, the rest of the world, and the rest of the folks on the autism spectrum. Because it's this weird sort of waypoint that um, that we can intellectualize that which is quote unquote you know, normal or typical, um, but innately we also um, get and and um, identify with a lot of the experiences that folks on the spectrum, uh, the rest of the spectrum, feel. It's this very awkward place, and as a result, what happens is that. I would venture to say the vast majority of people who would um, be, who would fall under the definition of Asperger's um, are never, ever diagnosed. And the results of that are, are really sad. Um, my father passed away five years ago, and I can say unequivocally, looking back on it, that he absolutely had Aspie. He was brilliant. He was um, an international commercial litigator, um, and when he had his quote-unquote script in the, you know, in the courtroom, he was phenomenal. Um, um, but you put him in a social situation, and he was rocking back and forth and, you know, knocking into people and accidentally walking into the women's restroom because he really wasn't paying attention to what was going on around him. Um, and I see all those coping mechanisms and how that affected him um, 
and his self-esteem, his understanding of who he was in the world and how he considered, considered himself, you know, whether he considered himself to be a success or a failure. And um, I see that, that it's so true in so many of those of us who, who fit that personality profile um, that we see this undying concerted effort to do everything quote-unquote right and yet we just can't and we without meaning to seem to fail or flub and that it's devastating because we are um, quote-unquote neurotypical enough that we know we're not doing it right but spectrum enough that we truly are blind to what we're doing wrong and that's an awkward place to be. Um, I think also because part of the definition of being um, of having Asperger's is that you have um, an average to uh, almost universally the folks that I meet um, extremely high IQ. Um, that sometimes uh, certainly this is the case when I was young. Um, social awkwardness or um, problems along those lines are just simply chalked up to being really smart. Well, there are lots of really smart people who don't have any of these troubles. They're not the same thing. Um, but that continue, I continue to hear that happening now. Parents will come to me and say, well, the psychologist or psychiatrist just said, my kid's really smart. And in fact, when I first started working with a particular psychologist who, uh, psychiatrist rather, who treats my own children, she said, you know, I have to, my eldest, it was the only one she had met at that point, um, and girls do, it manifests a little bit different. It tends to be a little bit more subtle in appearance. She said, um, you know, after a brief meeting, I'm just not sure. And I said, just, just give me, give a little time, a couple meetings, because I promise you. And it eventually was that she wanted, she was the, one of the greatest proponents in asking me to sit down and write this book because she said, you have literally, compl and this is a woman who you know, went to Johns Hopkins and is a neurologist as well as a psychiatrist. She's brilliant. Um, said, you have completely reformed my idea and reframed my idea of what Asperger's is, and I see it now. And unfortunately, it's that um, missed section of the Aspie population that I think uh, probably suffers from the greatest amount of depression, um, of you know, marital strife, divorce, certainly a huge disparity between educational level and income, because without the proper supports, we simply feel like we just can't do it right. Um, and, and that's really why I'm so um, such a proponent of, quote-unquote, the label, but only in the sense of I feel like I call it rebranding Aspie. I feel like we need a, we need a better PR campaign, um, you know, that really it's understanding almost like those ge uh, geometry um, theorems from back in the day when it was if-then. Well, a diagnosis is nothing more than understanding that this is the way, this is the if. If the person's mind is set up like this, then these are the types of support which will probably help him or her to become the very best person they can be. And isn't well, that what Jennifer, we all gonna, want for all of our kids? And um, Jennifer, I'm going to jump in right there yeah. and, and, and pause you for a second because it's the if-then that I want to get into next. Mm -hmm. But before we go there, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about this if-then and uh, some of the different strategies and some of the different uh, teaching methods that that then led to um, as you were describing all of this in your book. Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Everyone deserves a life filled with happiness, confidence, and achievements. 
Code Metro, developers of NPA Works business management software, is proud to partner with Autism Spectrum Therapies and its efforts in creating futures for individuals with autism. To fulfill our duties, we promise a special needs product that helps organizations operate efficiently, providing them with a business system that evolves as rapidly as they do. The results? A streamlined practice to help maintain quality services. Discover how we help businesses succeed at NPAWorks.com. Need to replace aging IT infrastructure? Want a way to scale IT resources on demand? Looking for affordable disaster recovery alternatives? Then maybe the cloud is for you. If you aren't sure where or how to start, CenterBeam can help. Over the past decade, we've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and for a limited time are offering a 25% discount on a cloud readiness assessment. It includes detailed recommendations for your transition to the cloud and is yours to keep. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Shepard Mullen Richter in Hampton is a proud supporter of Autism Spectrum Therapies. Shepard Mullen is a full-service law firm with more than 570 attorneys in 14 offices located in the United States, Europe, and Asia. Companies turn to Shepard Mullen to handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. For more information, please visit ShepardMullen.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and I'm joined by Jennifer Cook O'Toole. And we were just talking about the label of Asperger's and and her goal to also redefine it and, and relabel it and rebrand it to Aspie, which I really liked. And, mm-hmm. and as I was saying to you during the break, yeah, I, I think of this one 16-year-old who would say to me very clearly, uh, very precisely that when he was watching these documentaries about life on the spectrum or life with autism, he never saw anyone that really resonated with him. Mm-hmm. He didn't see someone he identified with. And mm-hmm. I could see him identifying with the book and and the thing that I think he really would identify with right away that really fell into I think the then part of the if then, which mm-hmm. is where we left off, mm-hmm. is special interests. Because yeah. he, he had he had them. Of course and he did. He, was- <laughs> he loved them. Right, absolutely. And, um, you know, you asked about the word Aspie, and I do have to give due credence because um, the, the best-selling, world-famous author, uh, Leanne Holiday-Willie, who I was just incredibly blessed to have write the foreword to Asper Kids, um, and has since, uh, these are just one of the many crazy moments that have, you know, the surreal moments of the last year, um, who is 
sort of since taken me on um, as my mentor. Um, she was, and she has Asperger's herself, and she um, is famous for writing, um, the, well, most famous for pretending to be normal. And um, she was the one to coin that phrase, Aspie. And in doing so was, you know, really just trying to make something which sounded, again, so dang clinical. Um, mm-hmm. Asperger, Hans Asperger was the, the, the man who came up with the profile. So it's, it's someone's name um, to make it a little more user-friendly, if you will. And um, my word, Asperger Kids, was something, it was a vernacular I was just using around the house. Um, honestly, it was a, you know, a, a come-by-it-naturally kind of term that I was using as the family <laughs> um, kept getting these subsequent diagnoses. Um, so, yes, special interests, um, that is... Although not a specific part of the the um, diagnostic criteria, um, anyone who who knows anything about or knows an Aspie, which I would guarantee is pretty much everybody, um, yep. knows that folks with Aspergers um, tend to have areas that become their, and I want to use the word passion, and I'm using that intentionally as opposed to the word obsession, and that's because it certainly comes across as almost obsessive in nature um, on the receiving end. This may be a topic about which a child as young as, you know, two or three becomes literally professorial in the amount of knowledge and, and it, of course, with a pension for accuracy, um, in the, the vast quantity um, and, and even depth of, um, of knowledge about this one particular subject. And um, usually what I think is so important is that there's, there's two things about those special interests which the rest of the world needs to pay attention to. And the first is special interests may last, you know, a week, a month, three years um, or more. Um, but whatever that special interest is, whether it be dinosaurs or um, World War II history, the Titanic, Greek mythology, uh, Tudor history, whatever the case may be, there's something about it that resonates and sport, that, that speaks to what that individual prizes and values in this world. And especially if you're able to see over time, the trajectory of, you know, interest A to B to C, you can get a really um, insightful glance um, or glimpse into who this person is and who he or she wants to be. And I think that's almost uh, almost more, more clearly articulated by looking at that trajectory of special interests than by simply asking the person questions about him or herself. Um, so that, you know, if their interests um, go from superheroes to war history to, um, you know, something along those lines, it may be that this person's sense of social justice and what's right and fair for all people is the most pervasive value um, you know, about their persona and that everything else is going to be affected by that. So it's worth looking into what have they been interested in and, and what does that tell you about him or her. And the second thing is that this is what I call the access me here button. Um, I was kind or I was 
completely fortunate enough, um, last week, um, Temple Grandin actually formally, um, you mentioned that I was lucky enough this year to be the recipient of the 2012 Temple Grandin Award. Well, last week she um, emailed me and talked about, there's another odd moment, just, you know, there's an email from Temple Grandin in your, in your email, you know, in your inbox. <laughs> and um, she specifically was talking about um, how right on she thought that point was. And in fact, um, what I've just learned is actually writing about that in Asperger Kids uh, in an upcoming um, article for uh, the Autism Asperger um, Digest. And what she jumped on um, is that I call it the access me here button because it is that potent, almost sacred part of that person's psyche that is the way to get in to almost any other topic. Um, this book came about that I was, for a time, homeschooling my, my daughter, and her special interest was Greek mythology. It was spurred, um, spurred by the Percy Jackson series, which is a very famous um, kind of young adult series by Rick Riordan. And so, you know, it came to the point where literally she knew everything there was to know about every Greek god and then began studying to read in, the, in, in Greek, and she, and she was eight at the time, um, and to read, you know, and, and Latin. And then, um, but she was terrified of math because of the way it had been taught to her, which was in abstraction, which is usually how math is taught, rather than in the concrete way we ESPs need to learn. Well, when suddenly math became about Pythagoras, who was, of course, Greek, and when we could, um, you know, do examples of division by dividing um, beads or campers among the different cabins that belonged in Camp Half-Blood to the various demigods, um, suddenly she was absolutely fascinated. And, in, you know, in one year went from on-grade level with math to literally years ahead, which much closer matched her mental level IQ. Um, and the same thing, my son um, is dyslexic, but if you give him books about his new passion is um, geology, so rocks and minerals, he'll sit there and he'll work through it until he can, until he can identify the word obsidian. Um, and he is six. Um, whatever, whatever that interest is, that is the way to get to both the fun and also those things which are difficult. Um, in fact, I'm talking to some um, app designers right now because what I really want to do is give people, you know, a special interest search engine. So if your child's passion is plant life, let's say, and you type in plant life, let it come up with, you know, um, the secret garden and art by, you know, Monet and, and Van Gogh and Gregor Mendel and, and, you know, all that could go along with it. Um, there's so much you can do with any topic. Kid likes fish, great. Start reading Hemingway, Old Man in the Sea, and then do you know some math about how the environment is affecting um, different fish populations. Sure. You can t take anything. Um, but when you do that, you're showing such a great esteem and love for this child as opposed to saying, you're weird, stop talking about that already. When I relate it back to uh, an ABA term that, that I learned really early on, mm -hmm. which is just joint control. Yes. 
It's it doesn't need to be. You know, I think so many times education is all about okay, I'm the teacher, I'm giving you a direction. Right now, go do it, and it needs to be this structured, rigid thing. And right. what I loved was the. I actually loved the story you were telling about the perimeter and how mm-hmm. you were teaching your daughter to measure perimeter and what the perimeter was, and you know, it just it gave me that thought of. Do you really care what she's measuring right. or do you care that she's learning what perimeter is and how to measure and find the perimeter? Exactly. exactly. And, and that gets lost a lot in I, – I, I know that gets lost in ABA sometimes. We get a little too rigid. But I think that gets lost bigger picture probably beyond just kids with Asperger's but just – Kids in general sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, wouldn't any of us want to learn? If we have to learn a subject, you know, if we have to learn a particular skill, don't we want to learn it a, in a way that's going to relate? I mean, if you, you know, if you like football, wouldn't you and rather? I, and I do. All that's right, a great example. Yeah, all right. So, but, but really, okay, so now, you know, wouldn't you rather learn about statistics by being able to compare your favorite team to my favorite team and then plug it into some kind of fantasy football league and see what mm-hmm. happens, right? I mean, that's going to be – who would, you would be more interested in that. Of course you would, and it makes sense. You know, you're and, talking and that's, about, that's but, actually – and it's funny you mention that because mm-hmm. – and I'm going to date myself a little bit. <laughs> but I actually – I learned long division. I learned multiplication. I learned all of that mm-hmm. from the back of a baseball card. No, I was totally going to say that. From, that, right, that's how it came right? up. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I'm, I know it's a little embarrassing to admit, but I'm a huge Mets fan. Um, and that, that's okay. It's, it's been a rough year. It's I been know, a rough it's year. It's been a rough, like, yeah, the yeah. Rough, many, yeah, but yes. But anyway, yeah. Um, but yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you, you know, sometimes I'll hear, I'll hear folks spouting off those stats and we all know somebody that could tell you, you know, the most yep. random, obscure, and you got to wonder. Huh? Do you have a special interest there? You know. Yep. Um, but but absolutely, when you're talking about the word, you know, perimeter. My my daughter was had learned the word peri and metros, actually in Greek, understanding that they meant you know the measurement around, and then we started applying that to real real buildings and actually went around our house then, you know, and, and talked about it as if it were the Parthenon. Why, like you said, why not? And if you're going to have to learn it, well, then why not figure out what the perimeter of, you know, the baseball field is or the right. diamond or the, you know, the stadium, whatever. It doesn't have to be. Um, I'm a big advocate of um, Montessori education for that reason, because it's a, it's a follow the child. And there's a has to be, obviously, a balance between structure and freedom. I mean, we all know that, of course, as adults who are teaching these kids. Sure. But if you want a motivated learner, they're not going to be so interested if you're telling them about, you know, Susie and Bobby and how many apples does each have. It's, mm-hmm. it's boring. I wouldn't care yeah. about how Susie and apples, you know. <laughs> When I also like – and I like the things that you, you referenced and you pulled out from the Montessori, um, particularly those ideas of the, the hands-on and mm-hmm. the manipulatives and the visuals. And I, I was just going to ask you a question and I'm looking down and I know we need to get into a break. Okay. So I'm going to hold my own thoughts. Okay. <laughs> Let us get into a break. Yeah. And I do want to talk more about some of this, the visual learning and some of the process and manipulatives yep. that you were using because I thought that was also really interesting in the book. So we'll talk about that when we come back from this break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. BDO is dedicated to service. From serving our clients 
to serving the communities in which we live and work. Through BDO Counts, our national corporate volunteer program, employees across the country volunteer their time, talent, and resources for the good of local communities. And now, BDO is proud to support Autism Spectrum Therapies. We believe in doing our best to make the world a little better. That's why people who know community involvement know BDO. At Autism Spectrum Therapies, we understand how confusing funding options have become, as well as the difficulties that often come with seeking insurance approval. Our knowledgeable insurance team can help you become informed about your options and assist you in securing the services your child needs and deserves. Our client advocates specialize in obtaining pre-authorization for insurance coverage of AST services. If you have questions about your insurance coverage, call our insurance team today at 866-278-1520. At Autism Training Solutions, we know what it's like to work with children with autism. And we know what professional development can do for a school, a child, and a family. That is why we want to give 50 schools in the U.S. access to ATS professional development for a whole year. All you need to do is tell us how ATS would make a difference for your team in a one-minute video or a 500-word essay. For a complete set of rules, visit AutismTrainingSolutions.com backslash contest. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio, and we're here with Jennifer Cook O'Toole. Um, we were just going to talk about Montessori and the the different ideas and the concepts. And, you know, Jennifer, one of the things I, I really liked the way you, you started to reference it before the break, um, but I liked the way you kind of separated. This is the part of Montessori that really worked for my kids. Um, and I think you were referencing your daughter at the time in the book, mm-hmm. but these are the parts that don't work. And I really liked the way you were talking about some of the modifications um, and just the way you kind of created this blend of this is the structure my daughter needs but this is the way my daughter needs to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think those learning methods were fantastic. And I mean, I, I thought of probably 20 different kids who were going through some of those, mm-hmm. um, so those different things. And, and I was hoping you could share with us some of the different uh, Montessori methods that, from that teaching standpoint that really, really worked well, particularly those, that visual part of the learning. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really that, that concrete thing. Um, you know, when I was when I was doing my graduate work in education, there was one course where we could sort of just pick a, you know, pick a philosophy and and write about it. I have no idea why, but I was drawn to Montessori. And now, mind you, I never attended a Montessori school in my life, but there was just something about it that sort of intrigued me. I learned a lot, and yes, as you mentioned, when we looked at, originally um, at Montessori schools when my daughter was. Um, really young. Um, it wasn't a good match for her at the time um, because the school as it was wasn't um, really aware of, and this is the kicker, how little tweaking needs to happen to make the concrete to abstract progression of the Montessori environment 
work for um, for these children. It was very funny. Before the beginning of the school year, sat down um, with um, and my, my three children are, are now in a Montessori school. My youngest was about to start in history, and his nice. ABA was sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and then the teacher is sitting there, and the ABA is talking, and the Montessorian is talking, and they think because of these distinct vernaculars that they both have that they are. Right. Just absolutely, you know, completely in, in total disagreement about how things are going to be. And I said, if I could just step in and translate from you to you and you to you. And within <laughs> 10 minutes, they realized they were saying the same things. I have been in that meeting. I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. And, um, and so what's, what's so important, I was actually just telling you a little bit about this, is um, it seems that... Many kids with Asperger's do tend to gravitate towards Montessori education, I think, for two primary reasons. One is to go along with that special interest idea that it is, you know, that the answer lies within the child, that the the interest of the child can be the impetus for learning all other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second being that all materials, and this is whether you're talking about math or whether you're talking about grammar, start with concrete Um, Socrates said, if you hold it in your hand, you hold it in your mind. And everything starts with concrete materials. And what's absolutely thrilling to me, and I'm mentioning this, uh, well, actually, it'll be right about the time that this is, um, that everyone's going to get to hear this conversation. Montessori Services is probably the best known vendor, uh, most highly respected vendor of Montessori um, products in in the country for schools and for homes. And um, never that I am aware of in the history of either ABA or the Asperger's Autism Communities or in the Montessorian Communities, have there ever been any, has there ever been somebody to be that mediator and say, hey, guys, guess what? You're saying the same thing. And it really doesn't take much to make both of you meet and have a fantastic enriching educational experience for these children. And um, for the very first time, they are actually going to be offering, carrying two of of my books um, to make that available to Montessori educators and also to the Asperger Autism community to help them understand how it is, in fact, these concrete child-led methods that are so fantastic fantastic for the kids. So I am just over the moon because I feel like this is going to open educationally doors for, for, for brilliant things to happen. Um, it, it makes me sad when I, I hear that, um, that folks seem to think that because we as Aspies do really need to initially ground our concepts in concrete experiences that we are incapable of more abstract thought. And I would then say, really, perhaps you should ask Albert Einstein about that, because I'm pretty sure E equals MC squared and the bending of time is awfully abstract. (laughs) Um, You know, but um, that being said, you know, the simple idea for instance, um, of teaching grammar, um, you know, and, and that a, uh, a pyramid, a heavy pyramid, which is stationary and is a 
thing represents um, noun, and that a rolling red ball that is energetic and, and kinetic like the sun represents the idea of verb. That's played with by kids who are three years old. Um, but when you then get to the more um, sophisticated ideas later on, you get the idea of concrete versus abstract, you know, co- even concrete nouns, um, you know, because we can understand perhaps window, but if you ask a, an Aspie or an autistic person to define happy, that's an abstract noun, right? And, and that's a whole lot harder, but you can get there. Um, one, of the, one of the most beautiful examples um, of this kind of concrete to abstract journey was I was having a conversation with my daughter, and she heard me use the word marginalized, and at the, this time she's nine now, she was either seven or eight, and she said, um, what's marginalized mean, uh, Mom? And I'm thinking I'm going to have to go into this whole you know, hoopla, and I said, um, okay, so the word margin, and I'm starting to envision paper, and the margins are on the paper, and she goes, Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Like, the botanical puzzle that we have, we have a beautiful wooden botanical puzzle that has the parts of a leaf. And she had learned by feeling it, by tracing it, and then looking, you know, um, at real leaves and touching them in comparison. So that's that sensorial experience that the edge of a leaf is called the margin. And she said, so, like, the margin of a leaf? And I said, Right, yeah, the margin is along the edge, on the outside. And so she said, so marginalized means on the outside, along the edge? And I said, that's exactly right. And talk about that. And so I said, and if someone were to be marginalized, how do you think they might feel? They probably feel awfully lonely and sad. We just yeah. got into discussion of, you know, hypothesizing about somebody else's emotional experiences by talking about the edge of a leaf. And you are able to, my, my son and I were talking about the fact that, for instance, he was having quite um, the anxiety attack in school by, over the fact that um, I was teaching him a concept that was the same concept but being presented differently than his teacher was showing him. And I said to him, but Sean, let's think about this. You know, let's say we had to drive to the grocery store, and one of the roads, there there are three different roads we could take to get to the exact same grocery store. But if one of those roads, let's look at the map, because Aspies, we love maps. Let's look at the map. Okay, so let's pretend this road is flooded, and there's a car accident over here. Uh Uh-oh. How can we get to the grocery store? And he said, well, there's another way there, Mom. You could end up at the same place. And I said, you're right. Look at that. Just like the road that will still take us from our house, and I traced his finger along map to the grocery store. Look at that. There's another way to end up at the same place, and that's okay. Everybody might have different ways of getting to the same answer and different methods and different ideas, but it doesn't matter. And in fact, if you only know one, you're much more likely to get stuck at home. But if you know other routes, you're in pretty good shape. So if your teacher needs to teach you something in a different way, it doesn't mean it's wrong or even that you should be scared of it. You should say, cool, now I know one more tool. And he thought, Okay, and you could see, this is a child ruled by anxiety, you could see the calm settle upon him. And off we went to another topic. Those are incredibly concrete um, experiences, but that's how we can absolutely get to incredibly um, unfathomed levels of abstraction. Um, But 
absolutely initially rooting it in and sometimes frequently reverting back to those Again, if it's in your hands, it's in your heart, and it's in your head um, experiences from going from concrete to abstract. Well, and, and actually, we're, we're going to take a quick break. Um, but when we come back, I actually have a specific uh, concrete example you reference in your book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually have a question I want to ask you about that. So sure. when we come back, uh, you'll probably recognize it, the uh, the how you describe black and white to your son. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that and a, this initial reaction I had when I when I heard that concrete example. So okay. we'll, we'll come to that topic when we get back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Parents of special needs individuals want to know if the care their loved ones are receiving is the best possible. We at Code Metro, developers of NPA Works, business management software for special needs providers, understand the unique necessities of running a successful organization. NPA Works helps free providers of tedious tasks like scheduling and insurance billing. Ensure your clinic is maximizing the time they give to your loved one. Ask if they use NPA Works. Visit us at npaworks.com to see how we can help. If you are considering how cloud computing might benefit your business, CenterBeam's Cloud Readiness Assessment can help. Our track record includes over a decade of service delivery experience, and our customer satisfaction leads the industry. We've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and can help you identify the best strategy for your business. Call today to get a 25% discount on your assessment, 877-710-8880. The assessment is yours to keep and will provide specific insight into how the cloud can work for you. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and we are here with Jennifer Coco Tool talking about her book, Asper Kids. And uh, when we went to the break, I was, I was telling you, Jennifer, about that, that this moment I was in the book where you talked about um, your son was at school and he came home and he was feeling a little dejected because or confused, I guess, about uh, he was asked the question of what's the opposite of black? And mm-hmm. the answer was white. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And he, his, uh, his question to you was, well, I don't understand. Why can't it be green? And I was reading your explanation and I had this moment of, you know, throughout the book, I felt like, okay, this makes sense. I feel like I could do this. I can embrace this. There's more ways I could be doing this with the kids I work with. And at that moment, I I read your explanation about the black holes and white light and how they're the opposite. And it totally clicked for him. And I was completely overwhelmed. And it gave me that sense of what advice would you have, you know, the, the explanation was great. It made perfect sense scientifically. But I, I wondered, would other people feel the same way? And, and then I start to think about, 
you know, I remember using uh, a lot of these special interest principles with a couple of my students. Uh, one of them might have been music. One of them might have been Disney. And, and that response of, well, I don't have time for this or right. I'm not creative enough for this. Right. So what advice do you have for a parent or a teacher who comes away feeling that way of, well, I just don't have what it takes to be Jennifer or to do it that way? Absolutely. You don't need to be me. Because you know your child the best. And the fact is that there's no right way and there's no wrong way. I think the best thing that I can say is, rather than saying no, respond with, why do you say that? Um, That same little guy was in school. And um, last year, and the teacher drew um, an arrow, and it was a vertical line with an arrow. And she said, what's the opposite? And um, he drew a horizontal line. And she said, no, the opposite of up is down. And he, a pleaser, was just heartbroken. And same thing. And he said to me, I don't understand, Mom. The opposite of vertical is horizontal. And here's a child in a five-year-old TK class, and you know what? He was right. (laughs) If that teacher had simply taken the moment to say, hmm, why do you say that? And he would have said, well, because it's a line. Now, maybe if she had drawn a clear arrow indicating up, he would have drawn a clear arrow indicating down. More often than not, These are kids who are preoccupied with accuracy and um, the accumulation of knowledge. So if you can give them really simple rules to live by that are simply about being kind and say, you know, do you think that was kind or how would you like to learn this or above all, instead of no, why do you say that? Or why are, you, why are you feeling this way? Because usually it's anxiety, it's misunderstanding, almost never is it willful defiance. And that's where these poor kids get so dang strapped. And you will find the, most, the creative, fun things that will appeal to your child given the time and love that you just instantly have. And it's okay if you kind of speak different languages as long as you can train yourself to not simply have that knee-jerk, no, that's wrong, you're weird response because they'll get that everywhere else. At home, what they need more than anywhere else is to simply know that here it's completely okay to be you. And there's nothing about that this world belongs to those on the spectrum as much as it does to everyone else. And together you can explore and you can learn what this world has to offer them. It might take a little time. It is certainly more effort, and it can be exhausting. But your child will consistently and constantly look to you as the expert, make mistakes in front of them, let them know it's okay to not be perfect, and that sometimes you don't know how to make that, how to give them an explanation, and then say, hey, you know what? Let's find it out together. Show them it's okay to be human, and their version of human is just as human as yours. Well, and I, I just 
I, I like the way the way you put that, uh, particularly at the end about just just about this idea of community, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's something that that we've been talking a lot about on our show for the last few weeks, and mm-hmm. just this idea of building a community uh, where we're all we're very separated, yep. and like you said, I think we started off the show talking about. You know, Aspies don't necessarily feel part of the community or sometimes left out of the community. And that Mm -hmm. sense of isolation Mm -hmm. is so strong. And the anxiety that uh, we didn't talk too much about it on the show, but I know it's it's really referenced quite a bit in the book. Mm -hmm. That's very those are powerful, powerful emotions for anybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so I just love, you know, the the one the one thing is I, I just love that sense that my biggest take home from the book and, and why I, I actually really recommend this beyond the strategies, I, I, re- I really recommend your book because I felt like that was the big take home. Let's build a community. Yep. Let's let me let you in. You know, you were I, you always said, let me in, let you have some insight into your child. Yeah. But I almost felt like you were also giving me insight into a community and how to build a community and how to yeah. make it because it's not just about kid the kids with. Aspergers or Aspies mm-hmm. joining our community. It has to be us opening our doors to them, opening our world to them. We all got to work together on this. And I, I just think your book did a great job of doing that. So I, uh, I give you a, a, a long-winded thank you for being my guest today. It is my pleasure. You don't, you don't have an orchestra with one instrument playing, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Um, for anyone who's, who's more interested and wants to learn more about Jennifer, uh, where to find her books, uh, more about just what she's doing, um, your website is asperkids.com. And I think uh, I saw here that you're going to actually be um, at a Barnes & Noble's in, uh, mm-hmm. in Charlotte, North Carolina on – October 2nd, or sorry, October 6th. Yep. Um, so it looks like you're doing a book signing there, which is really cool. I kind of wish yeah. I was not here in LA and I could get out back east so well, you and I could uh, I'm hoping we're going to get to do that because we're heading to England and Ireland right afterwards, but I sure would uh, like to do some stuff on this side of the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, at least as my wife would say, you're going to see your people, you know, the redheads in England and Ireland. She That's calls right. them people. So um, I hope you have a great trip. Um, and thank you again for being my guest. Um, and to, to everyone else listening, uh, thank you for being with us today. Uh, obviously Jennifer's got a ton of great resources, but if you want to have other resources, um, you can also go to www.aspergersyndrome.org. Um, autismspeaks.org has a what is autism slash Asperger's syndrome page, and you can get a lot more information um, about there. Um, Autism Speaks always has great resources. Um, if you do, if you are out there and if you are interested in looking for services, please keep in mind there's 30 different insurance mandates across the country. And I think a lot of people think that some of these mandates are exclusive to autism, but Asperger's is covered underneath these mandates. It does qualify for services. So there are a lot of different options out there that we haven't even talked about. Um, so feel free to go to Autism Speaks, autismvotes.org. They have great information there. As always, if you have specific insurance questions, we're always here to help at autismtherapies.com. Um, next week, we'll be back with another guest. But I'm really excited that in two weeks' time, on September 25th, we're going to be doing our second call-in show. 
And since I wrapped up with insurance here, uh, it's because that's going to be our topic. We're going to talk about insurance and how to utilize uh, your health insurance to acquire services for your child with autism. So I hope you give us some calls and send us in questions on the 25th when we have our second call-in show. Thanks so much for joining me this week, and we'll see you next time. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Bill Freya, for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.